Hi, welcome to a new episode of Pasha. My name is Inas Kosana. Thanks for joining us. Today, we talk about a potential treatment for people who suffer from nasal allergies. Our guest is Johnny Peter, Associate Professor and Unit Head of the Lung Institute. He also serves at Kretaskir Hospital at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. He starts by telling us how common nasal allergies and hay fever sufferers are in South Africa. Why is this? Nasal allergies uh, and allergic rhinitis uh, are common across the world. In South Africa, the situation is no different. Uh, data estimates that around 20 to 30 percent of the adult population in South Africa suffer with allergic rhinitis or hay fever. The commonest uh, offending allergens uh, are two, namely Haustas mites, which are similar situation I think in many parts of the world and then also our pollens. Um, we do have a different spectrum of pollen although our tree pollens are largely uh, similar to the northern hemisphere with perhaps the exception of birch we see predominantly uh, pine, plain, oak, cypress tree uh, and then our grasses uh, there's quite a lot of cross reactivity although we do have grasses that are endemic like kukuyu that are a problem. Uh, we do have some quite interesting uh, weeds, uh, the plantain group, uh, the daisies, the nettles. Um, we also have an entire um, biome that's unique, the Cape Floristic Kingdom. Um, but fortunately, from an allergenic perspective, this is an insect-pollinated uh, group of uh, plants, uh, and thus allergies to fainbos are rare, although we do and have reported on some uh, skin uh, contact uh, dermatitis related to contact with fainbos uh, and every year when we have our spring flowers there's certainly people that have uh, irritant rhinitis uh, induced by these flowers. Tell us about your research on helping people who suffer with these issues. What do you hope to achieve? We have some uh, exciting research planned uh, and this relates to an endemic uh, plant found in South Africa known as rooibos tea or uh, its scientific name is Aspolaris linearis um, and what's interesting about this plant is it's grown in a small re region um, around the Cedarburg that's where it's endemic to which is a few hours outside of Cape Town and what we interestingly found is uh, well I was alerted to it uh, in quite a funny way where um, I took my youngest daughter when she was very young to a baby clinic uh, and she had some seborrheic dermatitis which is a uh, inflammatory skin condition that is thought to have similarities and a lot of overlap with atopic dermatitis which is eczema uh, and often allergic type or atopic diseases uh, go together so patients with atopic dermatitis will often suffer with allergic rhinitis. And um, anyway, the baby uh, clinic lady said, I should put rooibos tea bags. So it's, it's drunk as a tea. Um, I should put these onto the baby's head to treat the uh, problem. I've also then started reading and thinking about this and heard that lots of people have this uh, variance of this kind of uh, local remedy for things where they suggest adding uh, rooibos tea to a soap bath uh, and uh, they put people have even put it up their nose and so this got me thinking is this really true could this be true um, and so we decided to do a little bit of our own research how will the research work what we did was we took um, patients with established allergic rhinitis or even asthma that are known to be triggered by house dust mite and grass pollens and we took some of their cells and what we can do is we can 
isolated in the laboratory, uh, particularly the basophils from the blood, which give you a, quite a, uh, an accurate reflection of allergy when they are stimulated in the lab with offending allergens. So if you add some hustus mite extract or some grass pollen extract to the person's basophils in the lab, they wake up, uh, they kind of get angry and activated. Uh, and you can measure that. And that's often how we assess people's, uh, one of the ways we can assess people's allergies in a lab. Uh, and what we noticed is when we did this, if we added increasing concentrations of rooibos tea extract, we could damp down this inflammation in a dose-dependent way. So that certainly got us thinking that there might be something to this. We also then uh, got a mass spec, a kind of a printout of everything that's in rooibos because uh, a plant like that will have many different uh, uh, molecules in it that could be chemically active. And what we noticed is we did notice some bioflavonoids, uh, some things like quercetin, which have been known to be mast cell stabilizers or have been known to kind of have effects on allergy cells. Um, and then we also noted uh, some of the well-known kind of antioxidants in rooibos, something like aspartaline. And so based on this data, we uh, have felt that we needed to move now into clinical trials uh, because certainly one of the problems uh, in many fields of medicine and often in alternative medicines is that there's a lot of kind of lab data but very little clinical data. And of course, maybe it's a situation where you need such a high dose, you need to drink such a high amount of rooibos, like 200 cups of rooibos a day to have any effect on your symptoms. And so even though it looks very good in the lab, there might be a lot of things that interfere with it having any kind of measurable clinical effect. So what we're planning to do now is two clinical studies. And what we're gonna do is take also people with hay fever or allergic rhinitis, and we're focusing in on hustus mite allergy. And the reason for this is that we have a standardized uh, thing called a nasal allergen challenge. And what this allows is it allows um, you to put some of the hostess mite allergen into the nose and then measure in the next hour how much sneezing, how much blockage, very objective measure of how bad somebody's symptoms are. And then what we're doing is we're going to have them drink different doses of rooibos or in another study, we're going to have them irrigate their nose, use nasal irrigation that includes rooibos tea. Um, and what we're going to do is they're going to do that for two weeks. Then they come back and have another nasal challenge. And then actually we're going to swap them around so people will become like their own control and they'll use either a different dose or they might use what we call placebo. They might use nothing in it. And so we will then get a chance to see, is there any effect of one, drinking rooibos tea or two, putting it up your nose? Uh, and, and irrigating with it. Are either two of those strategies possible in having a real measurable effect on the allergies? Many believe that local plants and trees in Cape Town cause people's allergies to act up. But your research is proposing to use one of them, in particular rooibos tea, to help with the problem. So I think it's important, uh, given that I've mentioned to you that rooibos is a plant, to really understand that there's two aspects to this. There are uh, plants and trees, uh, their pollen uh, stimulates and can trigger allergies, like I've been mentioning. And then there are things like rooibos where actually different, it's a different component of that. That's actually the leaves. Rooibos is the leaves that you're using, not the flowers or the pollen. Um, and it's actually that extract that's made into tea that we think can have these biological anti-allergy properties. Your overall work focuses on allergies. How does a person know if they are suffering from allergies or if they have COVID-19 because the symptoms are similar? 
Of course, at the moment, uh, you know, people with any kind of allergy symptoms are worried uh, that this could be a viral upper respiratory tract infection and it could, of course, be COVID. Um, and it's interesting because this hasn't always been uh, the same across the pandemic. And in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, patients with the original variants of COVID were getting symptoms that were much more like fever, headache, uh, muscle aches. Uh, and actually, then there were distinctions and patients with allergic symptoms tended to have much more itching, nasal sneezing, blockage, uh, and often not so much the sort of systemic symptoms. And that mean, meant that it was more easy to distinguish between allergy uh, and potentially a viral COVID. Now, with Delta being the variant that's dominant globally, what we're actually seeing is that many people manifest with upper respiratory tract and symptoms. So they manifest only with a snotty nose or a blocked nose uh, or sneezing. And so unfortunately, uh, as the pandemic has progressed, I would say that it's actually become harder and harder to differentiate out uh, allergic symptoms from uh, COVID-19 symptoms. And of course, that's why we always recommend people to get tested. One of the things we do is we um, monitor pollen within the country uh, and we post these weekly counts on the our website, which is www.pollencount.co.za. Uh, this work is brought, uh, brought and helped by a number of commercial sponsors uh, that we're very grateful to. Um, and, and so what we encourage our allergy sufferers to do, especially those with pollen allergies, is to monitor and track uh, these weekly counts and you can tell when those levels are high and therefore that's another reason that you might suspect okay the pollen levels are high these symptoms that are experiencing this itching and sneezing are likely to be more 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 consistent with allergic uh, symptoms but unfortunately uh, there's no easy way to distinguish between the two the hope with this research is that it will help people who suffer from nasal allergies and hay fever issues. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pasha, produced by Ozaya Patel. From me, Inas Kosana. Bye for now.